Good morning. Well, there was, I was tempted. I had a moment where I was like, I, I've already preached, so we should just all go home a little early today and start the barbecue a little quicker. But then as we were singing, I thought, perhaps I should actually bring God's word to our community. Um, I've been looking forward to sharing this message. Um, the past week, for the, so last week, um, we talked about entering into uh, the promised land, but the problem that happened with the Israelites was that as they went to enter, they were overcome with fear. They saw these giants. They ran away from it. They didn't want it because they had all of these old habits and old rhythms, old practices with Egypt. It was like Egypt was in their mind. It was in their heart. They didn't know how to think otherwise. So God sends them back into the wilderness to learn practices, habits, and different things like that. Actually, this, that lovely little moment, I, first of all, when parents have to come and grab kids, that's a celebration. Like, that's a beautiful thing. We are okay with that. Also, I know that this is, like, not the moment, but I have to bring up the moment. Um, it is such an exciting thing for us to be able to have Olivia here with us today. <laughs> and so, I just wanted to acknowledge that the, the Hollams have a new baby, Olivia. It, it's, it is tough. You know, you're not the center of attention anymore. Um, you have a new sister. But can I just have us just kind of just a, just a little clap? We are so thankful. We are so glad um, to have her here and to have the family able to be present. So thank you for that. That's lovely. Um, so, but back to... Uh, Back to Egypt. So with Egypt, we have this community, the Israelites, that have been delivered. They've been freed from Egypt, but in their minds and in their hearts, in their spirit, they still have the practices and the habits, the rhythms of Egypt. So they don't know what to do. So when they have the opportunity to enter into the promised land, they don't take it. They're not sure what to do. Today, I want us to explore when they actually take steps into the promised land. Um, do you ever have a fear of missing out? Uh, I do. Um, they, there's that acronym FOMO. I don't think anyone uses it anymore, but it's certainly true for my life. Where you go on social media, you, you, you're scrolling through, you're seeing photos of people that have been on adventures, they've been camping all, in all these cool places, they've been on the other side of the world, and you're like, oh, what about me? What about my life? What, what, what's next for me? And there's a sense of missing out and not wanting uh, the life that you have. You want the life that you're seeing other people have in your community. And there's that tension. There's that fear of missing out. So you want to be able to be a part of it all. Um, There's this story that I appreciated hearing years ago. Um, A man, he passes away. His name is Jimmy, and he's at the pearly gates. 
And he's talking to Peter, and Peter and him have this little moment, and then Peter says, I'd like to show you around heaven. And he says, that's great. That sounds like a good plan. So Peter and Jimmy, they go for a walk, and there's the pearly gates they go past. They see these gold paths. They see all of these beautiful things, and they see all of these mansions. And Jimmy's like, is one of these mine? And he's like, yeah, one of these is yours. And then they go on this walk, and then all of a sudden they see this massive, boring warehouse in heaven. And he looks over and he's like, what is that? And he's like, Peter's like, Jimmy, don't worry about that. It's just a, just a big warehouse. It's like, no, like I'm, I'm here forever. Like I kind of want to know the place. Like it's okay. It's like, nah, you don't want to know what's in there. And it's like, no, really I do. So they go into this massive warehouse and there are rows and rows and lines of boxes that seem to go on forever. And he's like, what are all of these boxes? And Peter kind of says, okay, Jimmy, these are, these are all boxes uh, of gifts. These are boxes of gifts. And Peter's like, well, for who? Well, for God's people. And he thinks to himself, well, like, do I have a box? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you do. Can I see it? Well, see, these, these gifts were for, for when you were down on earth. They, these were gifts for you to have when you were down on earth, and I don't know if you want to see them. Jimmy is a bit insistent, and so he's like, fine, fine, here's your box. And Jimmy goes over to his box, and he opens it up, and he starts to look at all of these gifts that had been for him to receive while on earth. And he, he wells up with a bit of sadness uh, over the fact that he had missed out on some promises that God had for him while on earth. Now, it's of course a fictitious story, um, but what, what that got me thinking about in my own life is I, I don't want to miss out on the good things that God has for me today or tomorrow. I don't want to miss out on it. I don't want you to miss out on the good gifts that God has for us as a community. And the Israelites, they wanted the good, precious gifts, the promises of God, but they had barriers. There were things in their way that they needed to get past and needed to get over. And so God puts them on an Egyptian detox where they get out of their system the thinking like slaves, the thinking like an oppressed people, and they learn new rhythms and new ways of being. And eventually, they enter into the place where they are able to enter into the promised land of God, the promises of God. And that's what I want us to focus on today. What does it look like for us as a people to get there? How do we get into the place where we can receive everything that, ha- that is for us, that God has for us as his people? That's what I'd like us to focus on today. And for that, we're going to go to Joshua 3, where Joshua helps the people of Israel, the people of God, enter into the promised land. So, but before we go to Joshua 3, I'd like to pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and Lord, there might be burdens on our hearts. There might be decisions that we need to make. There might be frustrations that we're facing. There might be 
fears that we don't know how to overcome. And we, as your people, we, we come from all sorts of walks of life and we are entering into this time in this moment, Lord, whether it's online or here in person. And you have something for us. You have good gifts. You have promises that you desire to see fulfilled in our lives. And Lord, I ask that in the hearing of your word, our ears would be open to receiving what you have for us today, that we would be able to see and participate in the path that you have for us to live well today and tomorrow. And Lord, right now, I also just pray for anyone who's going through a hard time, going through a challenge. Their minds aren't even here. They are, they are 100 miles away worrying about other things. And I just ask, Lord, that you would bring them comfort. Those in our community, I pray, that are not well, that you would bring healing today. Those that are hungry for renewal and longing for transformation in their lives, that you would show them what to do and that you would deliver them. Lord, we are your people and we need you. We need you in this moment. And Lord, I am hungry for you to reveal to us as a church your good promises. And I ask that you would help all of us lean into that, to take that on. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, or your Bible app, or eyes to see the screens, would you turn with me to Joshua 3, 1 to 5? Uh, And this is the NIV translation. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of, our, of the Lord our God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have, not, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. We'll stop there. We have this moment. It is a classic story that many of us who have grown up in the church have heard before, where the Israelites are invited to cross into the promised land. But embedded in this story is an opportunity for us as Christians to see a truth for us to walk in, for us to reflect on this story as something that applies to our own lives as well. This isn't just something for us to remember that God did for the Israelites, but we can see God directing his people for us to follow as well. And we see that in 3 verse 5, we have a statement where Joshua told the people consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Essentially, prepare yourselves. How do you get ready? How do you prepare yourself? So how, how, do, you pre- how do you prepare for a sporting event? I don't mean one that you're going to attend. I mean one that you're going to play, because um, those are a little different. But how do you get ready? I remember when I was younger, 
I, uh, so I played football when I was in high school, and I remember that one of the things that I needed to do to get ready was the, the couple of obvious things. One, I had to put my equipment on. Um, uh, football's one of those sports, as we all know, I'm being a bit facetious here, but if you don't wear your equipment, you are in a difficult spot. This is not going to go well for you. Uh, maybe there's another sport where you could like show up in your jeans or like and in your high heels or something like that, but not, not football. You've got to have the cleats. You've got to have the gear. You've got to have the helmet. You have to have it all. So I and my teammates, we would prepare by putting on the gear that was necessary. What are some of the other things before the game that we would do? We would warm up, right? We would stretch. We would get our body temperature up. We would make sure that our limbs were ready to go because we were about to do things that humans weren't really made to do. Smash each other with our heads. So we had to warm ourselves up. So we had to get ready for that. What are some other things that we would do? There would be that mental preparation. I remember, so I was part of the, the kick return team. So I would be the guy that would stand all the way at the back. Not because I was tiny, but because I could catch and run. So I'd be the guy that would be there, and I would have to catch the ball and run back, run as far as I could to the other side. I had to be mentally prepared for that. I had to be running through in my mind how to time my catch so that I could have good speed and momentum, all of these things. I'm sure for those of you that have played sports, there were certain rhythms, actions, rituals even that you would do to get yourself ready for the big game. That's just a normal thing that you would do. Now, how do you get ready for a test? Similarly, you would study, you would practice. What are some other things that we would do? It's been a while since I've taken a test. Show of hands, what's something that you do to get ready for a test? Audience participation, are you ready for it? Good sleep. Good sleep, that is very valuable. And sometimes you actually have to like train yourself to have a good sleep. Like, I will be calm, I will be calm. I, that's not a helpful way to do it. <laughs> what was it, what did you say? Oh, sleep. Okay. Uh, another idea. Like, how else do you, how do you prepare for a test? Jerry, you, had, you guys have had some tests you had to prepare for. How did you prepare for your tests? Lots and lots of practice. That's true. Not just learning it, right? But trying it out. Putting yourself in a situation that was similar to the exam, where you feel the similar, the similar pressures, the time sense. So there, you, there's a way for us to prepare for a test. There's ways for us to prepare for trips. You've got your packing lists. You've got all of the things, the things that you've got to know and get ready, and you've got to put it in the car. And then, you, you know, if you have kids in your life, you're saying, did you put in your stuffy? And they say yes, and then you buckle them all in, and then you're 10 minutes out, and they're like, I forgot my elephant stuffy. And you turn around and go back. And there's the ways that you prepare for a trip. And like all of those practical, normal things in our lives, how do we prepare for God to do an amazing thing among us tomorrow? The Israelites were given this word from God. Tomorrow, amazing things are going to happen, so consecrate yourselves. Get yourselves ready. It's easy for me to settle into a routine in my life where I am not anticipating the miraculous power of God. 
It's easy for me to settle into a mundane rhythm where I wake up and I am not on tiptoe anticipation for the kingdom of God to break into my world. Whether it's just been my day, my week, my season, we tend to forget that we live among a people, among a God who does great and mighty and powerful things. And it's easy for us to just not be thinking about that. What would it look like for us to be a church that is preparing ourselves, getting ready for the promises of God that are just around the corner? What would it look like for us to have the anticipation that God desires to do something great and mighty for us tomorrow? What would that preparation look like? So, for us, we do know that the Israelites, most of what it meant for them to consecrate themselves was they had these ritual purity acts that they would wash themselves, that they would ready themselves so that they would have the clean hearts, that they would be a pure people so that God's presence and sin, they, there's, a, there's a conflict between God's presence and sin, and so they would ready themselves for God to do a great thing. At the very least, I think there's many things that we can do to prepare for God's exciting future for us as a people. But one of the things that we can do is humbly allow Jesus to purify us. To humbly let God work in our lives and say, Lord, I am sorry for my behavior. I am sorry for my acts of selfishness. I want to be a part of the good promises that you have for us tomorrow. So I'm going to just, I'm going to get rid of that stuff. I'm going to let that stuff go. Getting yourself ready. What does that look like? I encourage all of us to consider, what does it look like for you today and tomorrow to prepare for a great thing that God is doing? If you knew without a shadow of a doubt then four days from now, God was going to do something miraculous in your life, what behaviors, what practices would you start to do today to get ready for that? I would encourage you to reflect on that because I truly believe that God has something really good for us. Let's continue on in the story. So, Joshua 3, 2 to 4, that's where we're at. And then we go to verse, uh, have I read this one yet? Joshua 6, we'll just start there. Joshua 6, Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And then the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. All right, we're going to back up briefly to that point where it says, um, in verse 2 to 4, it says, after the three days, they went out, the officers went out from the camp. And then what did they do? uh, They said in verse 4, Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Years ago, I told a story about being in India. 
Well, when I was in India, one of the opportunities I had was to ride one of their trains. Now, this is an adventure. At, this is not posed. This, these are, this is a real situation. I didn't take this photo because, as you can see, where I would have had to be standing feels a little dangerous. But I had an experience just like this where I was with one of the pastors and I got crammed into this, like, into the, into the, into the train and it was crowded. And so I'm like holding on to one railing and we are getting further and further away from the door. Because what happens is this crowd of people push their way inside and you get like pushed further and further from the door. And he leans over to me and he says, Trent, hold on to my backpack. When it's time for us to go, we need to go. And I'm like, oh my word, okay, here we go. Because as they're coming in and like other people are coming in and pushing their way and we're getting further and further from the door. But he knows because, and I'm looking, and there are, there are no signs. There are, there, you know, like in the nice, in the nice uh, trains, there's like the bing, and you see like the little lights, and it's showing you where you're at in the journey. Have you ever you been in a train that it's like, it's clear, it's simple. You know exactly what stop you're at. You know what stop you're approaching. You Nope, there was none of that. It, it was all a mystery, and not to mention that, it was also written in a language I didn't understand. So even if they did have some signage, which was very poor, I didn't understand it anyway. So we're getting further and further, and all of a sudden, the pastor turns to me, and he's like, okay, are you ready? I'm like, yes, I have to be ready. Like, what, what's happening? He's like, okay, we need to start pushing our way to the entrance. I'm like, okay. So I'm like pushing in, pushing forward, pushing forward. We're not quite there yet. The door's open. And here's what's crazy. There's, there was no everybody out and then everybody in. It was just chaos. People were pushing out as other people were pushing in. It's like, what is happening? And I'm thinking, we're not going to make it. The doors open, the doors close, we don't get out. He turns to me, and I'm thinking, this is a disaster. He's like, that's fine, that wasn't our stop. I'm like, well, I... <laughs> he's like, we just needed to get closer. Like, oh, I'm like, okay. It was the next stop, right? The next stop, the doors open, and then he like, he's like, go, go, go. I'm like, okay, so we get out. And I look around, and the stop looked the exact same as the other one before. And what's running through my mind is, if I, if I was on my own, I would still be in that train to this day. There is no question. I would be in a corner crying. I would be, it would have been a disaster. Without the pastor, without Reverend Wonketti, I was, I was hopeless. Um, I think in this life, we, we take for granted the fact that we have our rhythms and we have our practices that make each and every day sort of okay. But what we miss out on is that when it comes to our faith life, without us grabbing hold of Jesus and letting him guide and direct us, we really are hopeless. We have no idea where we're going without locking in and being close to Jesus. We can, we can have our religion, we can have our way of doing things, but at the end of the day, for us to enter into the promises that God has for us uniquely, we have to stay really close to Jesus. 
We have to fix our eyes so closely to him. And the Israelites, they did not know where to go. They had a general idea of where they were supposed to end up. There was the promised land over there, but they did not know the path. And so when God said, you need to send out the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God in front of the people, that is what will guide you to where you need to go. So they followed the Ark of the Covenant because they did not know the way. We like to know the way. We like to think we have it all figured out. But the truth is, when we want to experience everything that God has for us, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus and Jesus alone. We have to grab his backpack and follow him through this crazy life or we're never going to get to the stops that we need to get to. Jesus knows the way. What does it say in John 5, 19? It says this, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Every step that Jesus took, he took in connection with the Father. He knew what the Father was up to And he said, I know where the Father's at. I know where I'm going. You need to follow me. We also know that Jesus paves the way, right? So Jesus doesn't just know the way to the Father. He also clears the path. He also opens things up. He's been there and accomplished that. He did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He paved the way. And then in the great mystery of it all, Jesus is the way. He doesn't just, he's not just our guide. He's not just someone that I grab onto the backpack of and hope he takes me on this important good journey. He really is more than that. He is the destination as well. And it's a beautiful mystery that we as Christians get to enjoy. That we not only follow Jesus, but that he gets to live in us, shape us, transform us, and that he is our goal. It's a beautiful thing. Jesus is the way. I remember when I was playing football, there would be the moment when like the ball is kicked and it's like early on at the beginning of the game and there's like crowd, not crowd, like it was a small school. Like it's not crowds of people. Hey, uh, so there was thousands of people cheering. No, that didn't happen. Um, And so, but there was a moment, there's moments where you're tempted to like check your surroundings, to take your eyes off of the ball, and those are really dangerous moments. Um, I don't know if you've ever played the sports, the sports, (laughs) if you've ever played the sports, and you take your eye off the ball, you take your eye off of it, your your shot goes terribly, you don't get to where you go. And so, when I, what I want to compare this to is, when we take our eyes off Jesus, it doesn't go well. It doesn't end, we don't end up where we're supposed to end up. We don't enter into the promises that God has for us. I hope that's making sense for you. And this is a simple, very simple message um, that I'm asking us to think and consider. But if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus, we're in trouble. He is our way. He is the way. We need to keep our eye on the ball. Uh, There's that song, uh, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. My encouragement for us 
as God is leading us into the promises that he has, that you would turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. He cares about you. He deeply wants you to be guided well in this life. Now, I don't have this on PowerPoint, but in Joshua, th- in Joshua 3, 14 to 16, it, it, it finishes the story off. It says, so the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And it was harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. Forty years The Israelites have 40 years in the wilderness and God decides to have them cross the Jordan River in flood season. They could have waited a couple months, let the the floods go down a little lower. Maybe it's not like, you know, it's in flood season. Wait a couple of months. Let it get not be so, make it less difficult. Why flood season? And I thought about that and I was like, Lord, like you, you waited 40 years. You could have waited four more months. But God was not interested in that. God was interested in once again demonstrating his authority, his power, his might. And he's like, yes, this is the moment. Right here, right now, during flood season, not later, right now. Flood serious. Flood season, seriously. It's crazy. But it's a good story because it's, it reflects and it reminds us about the entire story up to this point that God is continually mystifying and stupefying his people with his goodness and his glory. So they get to the bank. And what do they do? I, can, I imagine this, that the, is, uh, the, the Levitical uh, community, the Levites, they get to the water's edge, and then they, they get there, and they're standing right there. Flood season, it's like raging. There's like way too much movement. It's really dark liquid, like all of this like uh, debris, and there's, they're thinking, you want me to step into that? They're probably looking around, wondering, yeah, you want, you want me to step over into that? And you're prob- they're probably thinking, what now? Like, do you actually want me to take this step? Do you actually want me to take this leap of faith right now? Like, where's Moses' staff? Like, couldn't Joshua come up and say, don't worry, I got this. You know, strike the water, everything parts, everyone's like, oh, God's presence, and then they just cross. But that was a miracle for 40 years ago. The miracle in this moment is this one first small step into a raging river. When they've been promised to go across, but they are not seeing it yet. There's a movie, Indiana Jones and the uh, Last Crusade. It's a great one. There's a terrifying ending to it. Um, it certainly was when I was a kid. And Indiana Jones, to save his father, has to go through these three challenges. And that they get to this last challenge where he has to take a leap of faith, where he has to step out from the lion's head. And he had looked down. I think you had seen it earlier. He had to look down, and he saw, all he saw was this 
tavern. This, yeah, right there. All he saw was that. And he is being asked to step out onto that. So he's like, grabs his heart, and he's like, I don't know what to do. And he like lifts his leg, and this like super awkward, no, but like, who walks like that? Like, if you're going to step over an edge, I suppose you make it look good and do like some kind of goose step or something. I don't know. But he's got his leg up, and then he like falls down, and he all of a sudden finds himself standing on what looks like uh, in midair, only to discover that the, uh, the crusaders back in the day had painted this perfect bridge that perfectly matched like the back wall. So it looked like there was nothing there. I love that picture. And I love how that connects with the call that the Israelites had when they were crossing the Jordan River. They got to the edge. God had not done the miracle. There was no miracle in sight. And they had to take that first terrifying step. Have you ever been in that situation? God has not yet done it, but you feel in your gut, you feel in your heart that he is inviting you to take a leap of faith, that he's inviting you to step into something that is unknown, unseen, unexperienced by you, and you have to do it if you want to enter in the promises that God has for you. So they take that one step and the water pulls back. They take a step, the water pulls back. They take a step until eventually the Ark of the Covenant is in the middle of the Jordan River and the water had been stopped up far back and they are able to cross freely on dry ground. It's a profound miracle, but it is not a miracle like that their forefathers had 40 years ago where God just did it all. This was a participation the Israelites for 40 years were being, to, were being trained to participate in the expansion of God's kingdom, to participate in acts of obedience. And now we have this moment where they are being literally step by step participating in the miracle of God as God is pushing the water back so that they can enter into the promised land. I wish in my life, <laughs> I'll be honest, I would love for God to just have that stick of Moses hit the water, everything is separated, and all I do is get to watch and see God at work. No participation, no act of faith, no risk, no fear, no uncertainty. God just demonstrating his glory. And you know what? There are moments like that in our lives. I am sure we can think of many moments where God just, in his goodness and in his grace, gives us a miracle, gives us provision that surprises us, something we weren't even asking for. And we praise God for that. But those are not the moments that we live for. We need to live in that daily obedience, that daily walk, where today we take that small step of faith towards what God has for us in our lives. And then we see him provide. And that is a scary place to be. Because then there's that one moment when the leg is lifted up by that first Levite saying, am I getting washed away? Like, is this the end? And they put their foot in, and God is faithful. God has been proving himself faithful to the Israelite people for years and years and years. But now they're called to live and follow him one step at a time. 
Uh, I, I was helping my nephew learn how to swim several years ago, and one of the things that we did was, he was actually pretty good at swimming, but he would get terrified. And so what I would do is, I was holding on to him, and then I would let go and just move back a little bit, and he would start to swim towards me, and then I would like, when he start, then he would start to get, so, actually no, this is how it went. He was holding the edge of the pool, and I was just a little ways away. He would turn push off and start swimming towards me. I was too far. He would get scared. He would turn around and try to swim back to the shore, but he wasn't that good at swimming yet, so then he started to struggle, starts to go down. I grab him, pick him up, put him over on the edge, and we try it again. But what I realized is I just needed to get a little bit closer. And so we started off by him turning, pushing, and I was just right there and I grabbed him. And then I was a little further, and he did a couple paddles, a little bit more, and a little bit more. He already knew how to swim, but I was so far away, he got scared and wanted to go back. And God's, in his kindness to us, he's not distant. He's not just way over there, leaving us alone to fend for ourselves. He comes in so close, and he says, take that step. I'm right here. You don't have to turn back to that old stuff. You don't have to go back to the wall. Come swim out. It's a little deeper, but I'm here. I'm here. And he walked with them every step of the way. And God is doing that for the people of God, and he's doing that for us as well. I'm going to end with this. The Israelites, when they crossed the Jordan River, what was, what was it that they were asked to do? Does anybody remember from the story what the Israelites were asked to do after they had crossed the Jordan River? Was that something about stones? Take stones. That's right. You know, when I was young... When they started crossing the Jordan River, I was done. I'd already walked away from the story. The exciting part had happened. They crossed the Jordan River. Woohoo! Let's get on with it, right? But I love that in the story of God, God is explicit with his people. And what he asks them to do is take these stones that were in the middle of the river, 12 of them representing the 12 tribes of Israel, take them out of the middle of the river, carry them to the edge, and you are to build a monument. You are to build an altar of remembrance so that years from now, you can take your family, you can go back to that place, and you can say, this was the location that God helped us enter into the promised land. It's easy for us to, in our excitement, maybe for those, of, for, for those of you that were at Camp Hermatton this past week or for those of you that choose to watch online in a week from now when you're back from camp and you're thinking to yourself, God was so good, he was so close during that revival time and then you just get on with your life and then you encounter a challenge and all of the good promises that he's done for you, we've forgotten about. This is really important. God is going to do good things for us as a community. He has promises for us to enter into. And what we need to do when that happens is remember to not forget that, for us to take stones of remembrance and build the altar so that in a generation from now, we can look back and we can say, that was the moment. That was the moment where God delivered us into the promised land and we never want to forget it. 
It's easy for me to forget God's goodness in my life. It's easy for, for me to forget that 10 years ago he, he was there for me, that he was there picking me up in my grief or in my challenges or that he answered my prayer. So my encouragement to all of us, anticipate that God is going to do a great thing in your life. What does it look like for you to prepare for God's goodness? What does it look like to prepare for that miracle? And then keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. We don't know where we're going. He does. And when we walk with him real close, holding right onto his backpack, he is going to get us to the destination that he desires. And it's going to be really good. And then there's going to be those moments when God doesn't just do it all for us. We have to take a step of faith and see him work take another step, see him work. And after all of this goodness is done, after all of what God has done for us is finished and we're on to the next thing, the the next good thing, that we would build altars of remembrance, that we would write it in our journals, that we would take the photos, that we would tell the stories with one another about the time when God did that thing for me so that we can have our faith built up when things get hard again, because they always will. And I love that in this story, we have this picture, a call for all of us, for what, is a, what it looks like for us to enter into the promises that God has for us. Yesterday, I baptized a boy named Brant in the river at... Uh, at Camp Hermatton. I've known their family for several years. They don't attend our church, but they attend another church, and it, it was just a, a lovely time. And I sat down with this boy, and I asked him about who Jesus was in his life, and he shared in such simple, lovely ways. And during the baptismal service, I heard him whispering to his dad, I think God is really happy about this. And I turned and I looked and I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, he was looking up at the trees blowing and moving. And as we were singing and his hands were open, he had a picture in his mind of the pleasure and joy of the Father as we were worshiping him. And that the Spirit of God was moving amongst us and moving the trees. And I was like, that is so beautiful. And my heart was just like so filled with joy. And after... Um, I, had, I had baptized him and we were chatting as a family. I turned to the family and I said, you need to write down that August 6th was the day that your son got baptized because you need to celebrate this as like a second birthday. You need to annually, continually remember the good moment, the good thing that God has done in your family. And so I would encourage you, Take time, look through your journal, flip through your family photo album and say, do you remember that time when God was so good and present? That is our God and he's still this God today. And then down the road when that happens, that we as a community would not forget that we could say, that was that moment. I'm gonna invite the worship team up. We're gonna pray and close. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your story of deliverance, and then your story of entering into the promised land. Jesus, we ask that you would help us get ready, that we would be on the edge of our seat with anticipation that you are up to something good in our lives, that you would convict us to do the things we need to do to get ready, 
that we would fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and nothing else. There's so much noise. There's so much crowd. There's so much chaos. We don't have time to take our eyes off of you. We don't know the way. And Lord, when we come to those scary moments, moments that you're asking us to take a step of faith, help us to do that. May we not just wait for you to do something grand and large, but may we be obedient in the small things each and every day. And then, Lord, may we never forget. May we choose to have a practice and a discipline in our lives of recalling and recording and remembering the good things that you've done in our lives. And may we tell that story to everyone. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing part of a song, and then we are dismissed to go. Thank you, Pastor Trent. Just uh, it's a really good message of, 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 um, of, of you know, needing to write down and remember.